You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's a Thursday here on the Blog and the Boys podcast network. And of course, that means it's time to get riled up with your man, Tom Ryle, and your boy, Roy White. At RW3 on Twitter, you can follow Tom at Tom Ryle BTB. And of course, you can find all the great content at Blogging the Boys on Twitter and of course, bloggingtheboys.com, our mothership powered by SB Nation. Tom, three weeks away from Cowboys training camp, Oxnard is just on the horizon. We'll actually have some football to talk about and reactions to the performances that we see out there at training camp. But before we get settled in for all that stuff, right, we almost kind of want to take stock of where this team is, what may be coming down the road, and what exactly do we know and are we still waiting to find out about this team? And, of course, as you are always so insightful – you have come up with an article that is up on bloggingtheboys.com right now that addresses these very items that I'm sure many, many Cowboys fans will be curious about whether or not the Cowboys have already figured out or whether or not they may not figure it out for the entire season. Yeah. Uh, I think it's more like two weeks away, isn't it? 27th. Sorry. Yeah. I think of episodes. Yeah. We, we have two episodes, well, three episodes left, right? This one yeah. and two more before we have Cowboys camp. So thank you for that. You're right. It's not, it's uh, just two weeks away, man. Shaved off yeah. a week, shaved off a week yeah. like that. That feels good. Yeah. We going up our, uh, the last episode we do before camp is actually going to be kind of the, uh, the final preview. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's like, you can almost smell the football in the air. But uh, yeah, I was. It, it and, and let's let's be honest. At this point, we are just into kind of guesswork and speculation about the Cowboys, and so that was what I wanted to look at. And of course, I went back to one of my favorite topics to get a little bit riled up about, and that's. Stephen Jones and the way the Cowboys are approaching this. And, and I've been thinking about this for a couple of days. It's one of these things that kind of came in my head. I think maybe that Stephen Jones thinks that this is all in as he sits there on his $22.5 million of cap space with uh, having let the free agent pool drain down, you know, to uh, – almost nothing, just a few fish flopping in the uh, stagnant water. Explain that. Explain that. Like, you think Stephen Jones is holding on to $22 million and saying, this is as far as I'm willing to push the chips 
in like this is my version of all in that's what you're saying yes because he thinks he's already done what he needs to do and it comes down to 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 a couple of things of course we know he prefers to build through the draft and that's something that they you know they have not been willing to trade around they want to kind of hang on to their draft picks lately instead of the, the 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 frantic trading we used to see in years past but the other thing is that it occurred to me that Stephen Jones, he really treats re-signing Cowboys players that, would, that are entering free agency as just the same as going out and finding outside talent. And so they, they had a, a pretty big signing with Michael Gallup, even though he's going to be missing who knows how many weeks at the start of the season. At least that's the expectation. They tried to sign Randy Gregory. They kind of punted that one uh, away through their own ineptitude. But then there was a you know a, a total of eleven of their own free agents that they they did sign. Uh, you know they they got some players that are I think helpful this year. You know. Uh, they got J. Ron Curse, which I think is really a high value for what they paid. I think he was a, a the, the biggest must do of the the offseason, even more than the Randy Gregory thing they messed up. I thought bringing Curse back, the way he solidified the defense, that was really solid. They they franchise tagged Dalton Schultz, and to, tomorrow. Friday is the deadline for them to get a long-term deal with him. So one way or another, they're paying him a good chunk of change this year. And I think Steven thinks they are handling that perfectly correctly as much as it, you know, makes my teeth set on edge, but they've got some others, you know, they, they brought back Dorrance Armstrong and Malik Hooker, which I think are nice pieces that, are the equivalent of going out, maybe getting a mid-range free agent. You know, they're, they're not going to spend big on a, a name free agent. That's just apparently creates heart palpitations as Stephen Jones even thinks about it. They're not going to do that. So I think in his mind, he has done everything he can do with the resources at hand. And now he's got the, uh, the plenty of money in case they need to make it, make multiple emergency signings you could sign several players for that money and what they don't wind up using they roll over to next year and we start this whole cycle all over again you know i i mean i can i can see where you're seeing it from that standpoint and i can somewhat agree with it right but if steven has been preaching all this time that the deals come to those who wait. And that is something Stephen Jones has kind of alluded to. Now, he doesn't quite say it like that, more so in the lines of, well, these guys just were asking and wanting more than we were willing to go, right? But if there is a thought that, hey, a deal could still be had, I mean, I look at the list of free agencies that, you know, free agent players that are available, and – 
actually, there was an article on Blogging the Boys by our own Aiden Davis, who wrote about a, one particular position. The Cowboys could upgrade instantly this offseason at any time by making a signing, and that's the wide receiver position. I could mm-hmm. rattle off five names for you that if they signed with the Cowboys tomorrow at a reasonable number, not only would you say, dang, that wide receiver core looks solid, but you might say that's the best offense in the NFC East off of one signing. And I'm not necessarily saying I believe Stephen Jones is actually going to do that because I don't. It's more along the lines of a 70-30 conversation. But at the same time, if he does believe in his own BS, if he does believe in his own philosophy, then the time to strike with this 22 million that he's been so patient with would be the time that's coming up here in the next couple of weeks or even a week or two into training camp. Because, you know, quite honestly, a couple of these guys, I'm sure, will be more than ready to go and hit the ground running if their numbers are called. So I'm still leaving and I don't perhaps I'm blowing smoke, right? I, I don't want to get Cowboys fans overhyped about that possibility, but it is one that I still think is on the board simply because $22 million is a hell of a number to carry over from one season to the next. Yeah. And, and I really think that the most likely time to see it may actually be a couple of weeks into training camp. Once if they know what they have. These, if these UDFAs and if James Washington, and Noah Brown and Simi Falco don't, pan out the way that they're thinking Jalen Tolbert and right Jalen Tolbert is not looking like he's going to be quite as ready to step up as they hope that's when I could see him grabbing someone off of that so uh but that that means if if things do pan out if three or four of those guys really are looking good in camp then he'll just sit on that money and we'll see what they can do next year and it's not the way I think most of us would like to see them approaching it because we saw what the Rams did when they went and got rather profligate in spending and free agency and trading and all that stuff. That's just not the way it's going to happen if it ever happens for Dallas. Mm-hmm. Indeed. That is one thing, though, I, I guess in general. I, I'd say the book's still out. book's still out, I think, on – whether or not Stephen Jones has made his last move this offseason, in my opinion, I think in yours, it's signed and sealed. Mm-hmm. Fair. I'm afraid it is. Yeah. Ah. The so. next item looking at the uh, offense, correct. And specifically yeah. one particular important piece. Yeah. I and I'll, I'll tip my hat. I, I used his tweet in this. Dan Rogers said that people that were saying it wasn't Dak's fault didn't really understand how worried he was in his mind about whether that ankle was really good to go. I think Dan made a very good case that he didn't quite trust his body yet. And he had to get kind of a feel for that. Then he had the little glitch with his uh, his calf strain. And now I think he's healthy, fully healthy in body and mind. 
He's ready to go. And I think we are going to see Dak have a stellar year. Um, he was starting off really strong last season. And I think this year we're going to see that just carry throughout the year. It's, it's a bit of optimism. And, of course, you know, there's always that thing that we don't even want to talk about anymore that can go wrong. <clears throat> but mm. a healthy Dak Prescott, I think, is legitimately a top five quarterback in this league. And I think that people are not going to be able to argue against it anymore. That, if you want something to get excited about offensively, that, I think, is it. Uh, you know, they certainly got – problems around him uh, particularly with the offensive line which which worries me but if he's got his full mobility back he can kind of operate around a little of those problems too as you know as long as he keeps stays aware of what's going on and is willing to throw the ball away to protect himself yeah see it, it would probably be good for the podcast if i argued with you on this one if I fought this and I know there are people out there that will continue to sound the gong and say Dak Prescott is not the guy. Right. But that is not this show. Okay. That is not this yeah. pod because in my mind, when I look at what Dak Prescott did a season ago, coming off of that injury. And as you said, still somewhat mentally flawed in a way, mm -hmm. right. Not saying he was weak, but just saying, there was still a blind spot there, right? PTSD is a real thing. When you get in a car crash, ask anybody about it, right? So I believe he still had some of that from the lingering injury. And even with that, he had a higher passer completion percentage than he ever had at any point in his career. Threw for more yards, threw for more touchdowns, had the second highest passer rating he had since his rookie season, right? Set a team record, for touchdowns in a season. And yet we're like, he needs to be better. And unfortunately, you know, Tom, he could be better than that. He probably will be, but mm -hmm. the naysayers will still have a leg to stand on or will think they have a leg to stand on. If a great regular season doesn't come with a couple of playoff wins. And I yeah. made a couple for Dak Prescott, which was unfair in my mind. It is. It should be unfair to, uh, you know, someone who's being fair about how they're evaluating quarterbacks in the NFL, right? It takes 53 guys. But yeah. at the same time, for me, I'm as sure of Dak Prescott as I am of anything else on this football team. So that one, I'm more than happy to say, if Dak Prescott's healthy – he's going to be the best quarterback in the NFC East. He's probably the third best quarterback in the NFC behind Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. And I'll leave it at that. That's what I think of him. Yes. I, I'm fully on board with that. Now, if he has problems, the next topic that I came up with may be the root of it. And that's that I'm looking at this wide receiver group and I'm just having a little bit of flashback. Remember in 2018 when they started the year saying they were going to make it happen as a wide receiver by committee? Mm -hmm. uh, now, it doesn't quite stretch all the way as comparison right now because they got C.D. Lamb. 
Yeah, I was going to say, the, the man that was leading one, that one was Bryce Butler, right? Yeah, they've got one good, really, I think, really good wide receiver. But there are so many question marks about all the rest, and we kind of touched on it already. Everyone thinks Jalen Tolbert's going to step onto the field and just, you know, play his little heart out and have a really great rookie season. It doesn't always work that way for rookies. It sometimes takes a while for all the lights to come on for them before they really get a feel for, for what they're doing. Uh, you know, James Washington was a cheap free agent signing for a reason. You know, he's had his history has been kind of spotty there. Uh, then, you know, you've got Noah Brown, Simi Fajoko, and a bunch of guys that are either UDFAs or they were UDFAs last year. You're looking for a lot of gold there, and this ain't a real rich load. I, I'm, I'm worried it's not. Now, maybe, like I said, maybe we'll be wrong. Maybe, uh, you know, Fry Fogel will come through or something. You know, someone will emerge. Uh, you know, T.J. Vasher apparently was turning some heads when the, the uh, media was watching the practices uh, during the OTAs. Maybe Tolbert will be all that. Uh, you know, maybe Noah Brown will finally prove something with a, a chance. I don't know, but that's a lot, a lot of maybes. And like you said, if only Stephen Jones had invested some of that $22.5 million, he could have made this a lot more of a reassuring situation. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm worried that if, there, if there's going to be stumbles on the offense, it's going to be because this bunch of guys is, takes too long to gel. The, the people don't emerge that they need to emerge. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So this is one I agree, right? We do know that right now. That right now, it is basically wide receiver by committee. Until someone shows up, it's CeeDee Lamb and a bunch of dudes, right? Dak (laughs) Prescott might as well be throwing to lawn chairs. But I think one important piece of that whole conversation that never gets brought up is that there are other positions that catch the ball that are not wide receivers. And in 2018, when we were talking wide receiver by committee, the best tight end of that group was Jeff Swain, who led the group with 26 catches for 242. At the time, Jarwin and Schultz, rookies. Right. And then they also had a guy by the name of Rico Gathers, who you might remember. Well, (laughs) since then, Dalton Schultz has become a force 
at least in yeah. this offense. And I believe he can be the second best wide receiver on this team. I think he will be that, at least from a pass catching standpoint. So, you know, they paid him to be that. I think it's important we need to continue to remember that he's going to be a big part of this thing now, right? Going forward into the future, who knows how they're going to address that position. They tried in the draft. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, and for now, we all like, I feel very confident that Dalton Schultz is going to be ready to take on that, that mantle. Do you? And yeah, I think he's going to be a, an important part of it. Uh, if Kellen Moore is dialing up the right plays and using his people and might as well throw Tony Pollard into this equation because he just seems to, we all feel that he's underutilized. Yeah. Now that and, one, we cannot be sure about though. Right. Cause we've been banging that drum for two years. I know. And, but it, it seems like if, if you're having trouble with the wide receiver group, then you line Pollard up with Ezekiel Elliott and just put him out in the slot, put him out wide. He's got the skills to go out and play on the edge. Uh, so there are ways around this, but, you know, we're going to have to see them develop. And like I said, these, these players are going to have to be used right. I think Kellen Moore has it in him to do that. As long as he doesn't start getting gun shy the way he always seems to get late in the season, when the things just seem to get more and more conservative for some reason. Seems that's when you want to open up the bag and throw all your tricks out there on the field. Well, again, coming back to the original point that you made, which is, you know, is this wide receiver group a group that's basically working by committee? Do we know that right now? Yeah, I, I kind of think we do. I feel pretty confident in saying that. And I don't think much is going to change unless something on the roster changes before we get to week one. But I still think they yeah. can handle it. They can mitigate it with those other items we just discussed. The final piece of what you put together, and then I'm going to have one to, to throw at you, a little bonus package for those listening to the podcast. The pass rushing group, you, I think most Cowboys fans would say they're a little on the fence on this one. Yeah, and this is one where maybe it feels like I'm out on a limb, but I like what they've got. Um, Randy Gregory, his production seemed to fall off towards the end of the year, and I don't know if that exactly why that happened or what it, what it means, but Demarcus Lawrence is probably the most disrespected guy on the defense. He is so valuable, he gets after the passer and puts pressure on. One of the things that people get all wrapped around is, are they getting sacks? They're getting sacks. Well, that's not how you win the passing game. That's not the only way you win it. You also win it by, by making the quarterback get rid of the ball before he's ready, by, by make, you know, forcing incompletions, rattling him a little bit. And last year, the Cowboys were very good at that. They were, they were the third best in the league. Uh, opposing quarterbacks had the third lowest passer rate, completion percentage uh, of any of the teams out there. So they were effective in limiting the pass offense that they were facing. Then you add in, you know, I, Sam Williams, I'm actually really 
I really think that Dan Quinn and Aiden Dirty are going to do something with him and, and develop him uh, fairly quickly, not necessarily starting in week one, but I think he's going to be in the mix very quickly. Uh, I've already mentioned that I kind of think more of Armstrong than a lot of people do. Um, you know, I think he's going to he, – he, he is probably going to be contending with Terrell Basham to be the, the starter uh, on day one. And uh, I think that's a good thing. I'm kind of man. You are you are really dismissing my guy Dante Fowler. Like I know, I know you don't think much of that signing, but man, I just mm-hmm. think I think like if we look at day one of training camp, it's going to be Dante Fowler on the other side. And maybe maybe you're right. Maybe I'm just reading that situation wrong. Is that I think he was a great bit of insurance, and he may be more than we think he than more than I think he's going to be. Uh, I'm also kind of excited to see Chauncey Goldson because I think I saw a little something with him last year. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to have a strong rotation. And that isn't even talking about the incomparable Micah Parsons. Gosh. You know, he, he doesn't pass rush all the time, but when he does, <laughs> quarterbacks hit the dirt. So... Yeah, I think the Cowboys' pass rush is going to be fine. I think it's kind of going to be what they they anchor their defense around, and I'm really looking looking forward to seeing them. Uh, it's it's one thing that I think is going to be fun to watch because I think it's not going to be the it's not going to be oh they can't get to the quarterback. I think they're going to get to the quarterback, or they're going to force incompletions, and maybe some of those bad throws that that a fellow named Trayvon Diggs is back there just waiting to jump on. Man, uh, you touched on a couple of players there, and the Dorrance Armstrong hype, like, it's reasonable. Um, you weren't the only one to see some. The Cowboys obviously saw something, too, because from week 9 to week 17, that's when he racked up all five of his sacks, including yeah. – three over the final four games. So, so he really made half a season late. Like I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Um, the thing on Micah real quick, it seems Cowboys fans are fairly certain he's going to be better next season. We put last season into perspective and if we're being realistic about it, right. 13 sacks, 20 tackles for a loss, 30 QB hits, only one other player, well, three other players, excuse me, had those same three numbers a season ago, right? Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt. Outside of that, no one else is touching that. I mean, do we really expect him to better those numbers? Like, if he gives us just that, Will fans be disappointed? And I also kind of feel like everybody's sure he's going to be better. The thing is, if you look at players in the NFL, in the NFL, they very, they really, you don't really expect someone who comes in like him to have a sophomore slump. I mean, I don't know why you'd be looking for that to happen. What I think is is that he may he just came in, he may have come in playing 
about as close to his ceiling as he's going to play. And we're just going to be, I think we should be very grateful if he just stays there for four or five years, because he will just be, he'll be killing people. <laughs> Let's face it. Uh, I don't, I don't know how to, to look at that. Uh, I don't know if people are wrong to think that he could be better because I don't know how much he could improve, but you know, every player, I'm sure he'll tell you he's looking to be a better player this year. No, I think we like, I think we are all in agreement of hoping that he'll be a better player. And, and so much so to the point that like, is we're talking about things that we know about the Cowboys and we think we know, mm -hmm. we know Micah Parsons is going to be better in year two. And that sounds well, like a crazy, like say that now, as I say it, right. Doesn't it now sound like a crazy statement? And yet I think most people would agree. And don't forget he hyper extended his knee in training camp and had to play through it. It didn't get a chance to heal up after, until the season was over and he just let it rest, which is all you can do for that. So, yeah, the, the signs are there that you can actually take it up another notch. You know, uh, dial it all the way up to 11. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. That's good. Anyway. But he's, uh, yeah, he, he is, as, as we've said, he is a unicorn. Uh, we're not going to see his like maybe ever again on the Cowboys, you know. Uh, but he he is he is something that I think we can hang our hat on. And so I think he is going to come out and just people are going to really have to plan their offense around where is Micah? You know, what is he doing on this down? And how do we counter it? Well, he's a special player, and it'll be really fun to see how Dan Quinn uses him in year two as the Cowboys look to uh, improve from a season ago, which quite honestly was a, a decent season in overall perspective, but for Cowboys fans, it's just not enough. And the expectations around this team are to be even better this year. We'll have to start looking at the rest of the NFC East in a deep dive at some point, because I would like to give, folks an idea of what they're really up against this season um in my opinion tom i, I think the nfc east is going to be better than a lot of people are talking it up to be a lot of people are giving it credit for i think it's it's almost perfectly aligning to be that way because everybody's so down on it right when everybody prior to an nfl season is in agreement that a division is one of the worst in the league nine times out of 10, it doesn't wind up being the case. Yeah. And if you want the, 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 the secret sauce, if one of the other NFCE teams figures out their quarterback situation, hmm. if, if, if Carson Wentz is that player, he was very briefly back the year that the Eagles won their, their lone Super Bowl championship in the history of the franchise, he could make the commanders very dangerous. Um, I don't know if there's 
if Daniel Jones is ever going to really be something, but if if he were to click, you know, the Giants would you'd have to watch out for. And yeah, the thing same, about Daniel Jones is he's just got to like him playing would be an improvement for them because how many games yeah. last year did they have Jake Fromm and Mike Glennon starting yeah, just, quarterback for them at least five. Yeah, just some consistency make, make, might make them one of those teams that will come up and surprise somebody every few weeks. And, you know, if, if they – Jalen Hurts ever gets it, gets it figured out, the Eagles have the talent on the rest of their roster. They've got some good players. You know, we can't dismiss them. So, yeah, that everyone right now is saying the Cowboys are going to walk, walk into the NFC East Championship – that may not happen. And like I said, it's all going to come down to if one of those other teams gets quarterback right this year, if their quarterback plays up to the level they need him to play, the Cowboys might be scrambling. Well, with the weapons Jalen Hurts has, he doesn't have a whole lot of excuses anymore. I'd actually be interested to discuss whether or not he or Dak has more pressure on them to perform this season. But That'll be a topic for another day, Tom. We'll put that in our back pockets. We'll save that to get riled up on on another day. Um, (laughs) I did just on a personal note and really a Cowboys-related note because this man was a fixture around the team, and I hadn't gotten an opportunity to say anything about it, but um, a dear, dear friend of mine by the name of Ted Nichols Payne passed away this week. He was an engineer in the Dallas Fort Worth media scene and basically connected every microphone that you heard out at Cowboys training camp for something like the last 20 years. Um, he had been in the business for 40 and he tragically passed this week uh, in just a freak accident. He was really, as far as I know him, extremely healthy and just in his mid fifties. So I just wanted to make sure I said, you know, my condolences to his family and his daughters. I'm sure they won't, don't even know if they'll hear this podcast, but that guy was truly special to a lot of people in and around the Cowboys. Um, took care of all the engineering broadcasts for Bragg Sham and Babe Loffenberg, who broadcast the games inside the stadium, was a, you know, a massive figure. And basically the guy, every entity turned to to make sure they were connected to a, to a sporting event in Dallas, like truly. So I just, um, I don't know if you heard him or knew of him, Tom, but for those that did, uh, it was a stark reminder. Tell the people that mean something to you that they do while they're still here. Yeah. It was obvious from the outpouring of, of sympathy and, and the, the people that he had obviously touched. He was he was appreciated by the people in the know, you know. Those of us who are who are outside of the broadcasting thing, he was just you know a, a, a one of the many people that make things happen behind yeah. the scenes. But it was obvious that he he did more than that. He touched people, and you could you could feel the hurt people had about losing him so unexpectedly. So, yeah, that guy was awesome. TMP, bro. I will be biking with you. And I don't even like to bike, but I would do it with that man when I see him again. So 
my uh, my sincerest condolences to him and his family. Sorry to end riled up in that way, Tom, but I just had to say something uh, in honor of the great TNP. So uh, next, very, very appropriate, man. Uh, it's it's uh, he deserves so much more, truly. Uh, but next Thursday. We will see you for another episode of Riled Up. Just two episodes to go before training camp, and we will have you covered like a blanket here at Blogging the Boys. So make sure you tune into all the Blogging the Boys content on the podcast network, two pods per day coming at you, as well as all the great work at bloggingtheboys.com. And make sure you subscribe to that YouTube channel because that will be hot and heavy coming up in just a few weeks as we we as we react to what we find at training camp so for tom i'm roy you stay riled up on the cowboys and we will see you next week